We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to this special episode of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Luna. And I am Corey Taylor. And today is a special day because we have a very important special co-host who I have been so nervous to ask to be on the podcast, but he was so kind to join us today. You're not talking about Soji Tabuchi, are you? No, I don't don't think so. No, okay. no. This guy's going to keep us on our toes and keep us real and oh. hold it. We have none other but the real deal meteorologist Mike Griffin. Well, thank you for having me. Today. Yeah, yeah. This is oh my gosh, and what a day for you to be on the podcast. We've got severe weather everywhere. It's lighting up like a Christmas tree up there. I know. I mean, I, I saw this stuff down uh, down up in Kansas. Coming over, and the National Weather Service was just popping warnings way ahead of this thing, and outflow boundaries. I mean, my goodness, outflow boundaries everywhere. Yeah, it's fascinating to see all the little boundary interactions and, and what's developing there south of Kansas City. Yeah, and so you think you think those boundaries are just going to, what, slam into the that thing moving, what, moving east and just... You know, there, there, there'll, there'll be certain uh, interactions with this as it comes down closer into the uh, the Ozarks region. So, you know, the my fellow co-workers over at the Springfield office are going to be uh, very busy the rest of the evening. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and you get to play with us. That's the cool thing. <laughs> well, uh, that's what I want to talk about, the severe thunderstorms. I mean, we are recording this on July 19th. It's about 4.30, and Springfield has been under a severe thunderstorm warning for one of those storms headed towards the city. Uh, uh, The Storm Prediction Center has issued a severe thunderstorm watch for potential of 75-mile-an-hour winds and hail to 2.5 inches, which is ungood. Well, if you look at the Cape, and we were talking about it earlier, the, the potential energy in the atmosphere is just explosive. So it's very supportive of the, that large hail and those uh, wind gusts up to hurricane force. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, we were talking what the, the surface base, I mean, that's what I look at. It was what, 3,000, 4,000? 4,000, yeah, four and close to 5,000, especially if you get out in southern Kansas uh, right now. We were looking at six and almost 7,000. That's insane. It is very insane. You know, and then, I mean, but if there's a cap, I mean, nothing's going to happen, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're not going to even get a cloud to develop. And we were kind of looking at that on the visible satellite uh, where you have that, what we call sin or uh, inhibition. Mm -hmm. It's actually compressing the atmosphere so no clouds are in that uh, that cap. Yeah, well, we we keep getting a lot of... Uh, messages on our site a lot, you know, do, is it going to be for this city, for this city, for this city, you know, and sometimes you just can't tell until those things start popping. You're exactly right. It, it, it's all about where they start developing and then how they're starting to move or drift. So once they, once storms get going and start popping, then you can get an idea where the major impacts will be. So so tell me this, since, since you're the 
the real deal here. <laughs> uh, thunderstorms, we've noticed uh, when they start building, they start building and start building, and then they take a right turn. It really just depends on the the upper level, mid level winds if they start turning. Now, there's there's certain there's certain storms that turn differently because of different reasons and for instance when you have like a, a squall line or mini bow it all it all depends on the upper level patterns uh, where it's going around the ridge of high pressure so if you got a, ah. yeah it's kind of like a bubble a ring and it's going to follow the, the the least resistance around that pressure system okay when you have supercells that are maybe right turners mm -hmm. they might be moving east or northeast and all of a sudden they start turning to the right, uh, those you have to watch very, very closely because there's a lot of circulation in that mesocyclone that's causing it to turn right. That, that makes sense. I mean, when it, when it starts getting way up there and in the wind fields, I mean, we always talk about the difference between severe thunderstorm watch and tornado watch. Tornadoes can occur with a severe, in a severe thunderstorm watch, but, but you don't have all that stuff going on upstairs to really get that thing turning. That's absolutely right. There's a different type. There's two different types of shear when it comes to severe weather. It's a directional shear and um, uh, what we call spinning shear. So directional shear is when uh, all the, the winds are going in one direction, but they're different speeds. So at the, oh, surf okay. at the surface, it might be 10 to 20 miles an hour, uh, 4,000, 5,000 feet, same direction, but it's going 40 to 50 miles an hour. That's all the same uh, wind direction, just different shear. When we talk about uh, low-level uh, circulations and mesocyclones that can produce tornadoes, you look for the spinning shear, the shear that you start at the surface. It may be a southeast wind at 15, 20 miles an hour. Uh, a couple thousand feet up, you got a southwest wind at 40 to 50 miles an hour, and then maybe 5,000 feet, you got a screaming jet stream or a low-level jet stream that's coming out of the west or northwest. See, that's insane. And it seemed like the, I think, you know, that, what is it, the speed shear, the unidirectional yep. or whatever shear, that would be more indicative of like roll clouds or something like that because it, it would cause that, that spin you're talking about. Yeah, and it's uh, there is spin and there is spin and changes, but when you have the, the changing direction from the ground up, that spin gets twisted up, up vertically. Ah, gotcha. And that causes the tornadoes. Wow. Isn't that cool, Corey? It's all that stretching. That stretching and <laughs> that elasticity. Is cool. I'm doing some warnings on the website right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's warnings popping up all over the place. So Mike and I are going to have this conversation. So, Corey, you're, you're, you're there anyway. <laughs> well, I want to talk about the weather balloon release today. That was really interesting how they did that. Yeah, I was, I was watching it uh, on the uh, Facebook Live video uh, of some coworkers doing it this afternoon. And they did a great job in explaining why they're doing it and, and how it goes up. And so every once in a while, when we have a day like today, that we have a, a, a risk for severe weather, especially now that we have an enhanced risk for severe weather, we just want to get a, another little snapshot of the atmosphere and try to get the best information possible before these things start developing. And, and that radio sound, I mean, it... it, it gives back data like continuously doesn't it yes it's in real time so we are able to to monitor the data instantly in real time as it, as it goes from the ground all the way up to the top of the atmosphere and do you send that data back to the storm prediction center or are they are they able to access it themselves or how yeah, that's, good. that's a great question. So we'll QC it and make sure the data is good. The temperature looks good. There's no missing data or malfunctions uh, with the equipment. Once we see 
see the data and think it's okay, we'll send it out to our neighbors and to the, the national centers, and also we'll send it up to Washington, D.C. so it can start running into the computer models. Oh, is that where they're located, yep. Washington, D.C.? Yep. See, I always wondered. Learn something new every day. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, because you hear the GFS, you know, the NAM and stuff that that we follow. I mean, and we're you know we're just avid amateur weather enthusiasts here, and you're the real guy. So you probably got access to a lot more models <laughs> in Springfield. You know, at the actual office. Yeah, and it could be overwhelming sometimes because you know really? we have so many extra models to look at, so many things to look at. And each little model has just a little bit of different twist on how it performs, or you know the equations that are built into it. And you know, and some run a little better than others depending on regional climates or what part of the country you're in, or or even seasonal, what type of season it is. So yeah, because I know. I mean, just from my experience, is that the GFS. It doesn't do the best job in winter, but uh, the the EC does a great job in winter. Yeah, there, there, there's there's distinct differences between how they can handle patterns, especially out mm, five five to seven days, especially if you're looking long term. And also, you got to remember the uh, the EC, the European model, is a little bit coarser than the GFS, but it has a little bit better handle on certain features or weather patterns as well. Okay, and it's a global model too, right? It is a global model, yes. Yeah, GFS. I like the NAM. I like the, especially what is it, the 4K, so I can just get right in there and see. Yeah, very high resolution of a model like that is is great to see, especially if it pans out the way it uh, forecasts. Yeah, and and I think I did a weather school a long time ago about you know the basic models that we get into, but but I think a lot of people don't understand how to read models. They you know we see you know scattered activity on one model, and there's this huge storm. It's saying is going over Branson. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go over Branson. It's indicative of a pattern, right? That's exact ex- absolutely correct. I mean, in fact, we like to look at a blend of models. Okay, we'll look at this one. Okay, this this is the outcome of this particular model. We'll take another look at a different model and see if that outcome's similar or complete opposite or clueless. Oh, I know. I've seen <laughs> or, those or too. Or what we call the outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just kind of throw that one out. Or yeah, all right. Just throw that one. <laughs> we'll put that one in the back burner. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, 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 yeah, when they look at, you know, the TV stations and they're, you know, they, they, they show this thing, it's like it's not necessarily indicative that this one little thing is going. And the other thing that, that uh, this is going to lead us into my next thing I want to talk about. Um, we pride ourselves of being non-hypers. We cannot stand the hype. People taking, I mean, well-known hackers out there taking GFS model data 300 hours out and saying, oh my gosh, look at this. You just can't do that. It is a little bit of irresponsibility you yeah. know of doing that especially because of social media and you know i i was leading the social media program up up at the office and we've noticed that a lot where people you know they get excited they see you know the the seven or ten day out uh, uh, output of a, a particular model and it shows a major winter storm or mm-hmm. a major severe weather outbreak yes and they post it and it gets you know it spreads like wildfire right. on the internet and people think that's the forecast and and it's also mis-messaging as well. So it's a little irresponsible to do that. I mean, it's fun to look at. It's eye candy. It's, yeah. it's catchy. But it's not exactly mm, the best thing to do. How do you guys handle that? Well, I mean, it's it's we, we, we don't – we try to – you know, control the message and try to make people understand or, or you know, understand that 
can't believe everything you see on the internet. Yo, imagine. Always get the, your trusted, you know, your weather information forecast from a trusted source, like you guys. You, you know, you 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 are a weather ready nation ambassador. You, yes. You 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 guys know what you're talking about. You know where to get the the right information at the right time out. And so we we appreciate you guys doing that, helping spread the word of of watches and warnings and and severe weather activity. Well, that's what we love. And if people we we tell people if you have you know like a, a, a cloud picture or you you see a graphic you know i think we have over 11,300 people following us right now it's like if if there's anything in question send it to us if we're not sure We'll send it to you guys, and that's great. Yes, we would we would like that. I mean, that's that's the right thing to do, and that's you know, and, and the most accurate thing to do. And sometimes it's obvious. I mean, there's there's a Corey, you texted me the other day. There's this beautiful multi rainbow picture going around. It's around just for years for years. It's beautiful, <laughs> and people are saying, "Wow, could you believe this could happen?" And we're like, "No, it couldn't happen. <laughs> it just." physically can't do that <laughs> and every once in a while we'll get, we'll see the, um, the these random pictures that pop up especially during severe severe weather season or something of of uh, ominous tornado clouds or something and and like oh, those pictures were taken 10 years ago they're, they're not oh, even real right. yeah that, that's i think that's what happened before wasn't it Corey? is like somebody started posting i forget what it was like a hurricane was it Harvey or something moved in and they, somebody grabbed a photo from yeah, years ago and said, that. this is what's happening. It's like, no, no. It's, it, it's not. A quick Google reverse image search. That's works very good. We use that as well. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, okay. I've got a question for you. Okay. The Branson ASOS. ASOS stands for Automated uh, Surface Observation System, I think. It's at the airport in Branson which is seven miles south of here. That's correct. On top of a hill. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm going to ask, don't you? (laughs) Is there a way to to get like an ASOS closer to the actual city? You know, that's, believe it or not, um, you know, our, our ASOS at the Springfield Airport is about six or seven miles from... The middle of town as well. Mm. Um, you got to think about these ASOSs and AWASs. Technically, Branson is a AWAS. It's an automated weather observation station. Ah. Um, it's um, it's pr- privately owned uh, through the airport, I believe. Uh, it's okay. not a official ASOS, which is an, an FAA uh, controlled. Um, uh, weather station. Gotcha. So, okay. So the, the the current ASOSs that are in this area are, are Springfield, Joplin, and I believe Harrison, and then the Fayetteville area. Uh, those are ASOSs. Oh, okay. And then you have AWASs uh, for like, um, I believe, Mountain Home or Flipton, um, uh, Branson, and um, oh, and Branson West as well. Branson West oh, is, good. is a was at their little airport there. Okay. Uh, so those are the wasses. Oh, I forgot a uh, sauces. There's also another one over West Plains, but it's located seven or ten miles north of West Plains. So it's a little off as well. You, yeah. you know, it's placed at the airport, but it, it's it's the actual reporting station for West Plains. See, see, it, like, for for me, it makes sense, like in Springfield, because it's so large or whatever. But but I. In my observations and stuff, once we get, once the Branson, a, a WAS, I'm going to remember that now, uh, is reporting 37 degrees. Well, in Branson, it's more like 
39 or 40 degrees. So I always tell people, if for downtown, probably add a couple because they're up on a hill. I mean, is that fairly accurate? No, it really depends on the season. Um, you can go the other way around in the wintertime um, or... or just depends on the direction of the wind and also what what type of season it is. When you're on a hill, you're you know you're gonna you can get an inversion effect where it's cooler in the valleys and a little bit go. warmer on a hilltop. Mm-hmm. The other way around, um, where um, it could be a little. Uh, uh, cooler at the top and warmer in the valley. It uh, just depends on the situation. Okay, so just basically take that average. I mean, it's probably not going to be more than like three or four degrees off from maybe. I mean, from Branson. Itself. That's true, but you know, we we do live in the Ozarks, and we have a a little bit of top topography. We're not talking about the Rocky Mountain topography, but, <laughs> right? But you know, we do have hills and and, and some elevation change, so we do see subtle uh, micro impacts like that. Yeah, you had a question on that, didn't you, Corey? Uh, yeah, just pe- people talk about, uh, and, and and there's one of these in every town across the United States. Everybody <laughs> says there's a big dome over their town, and everybody goes, all the storms go around it. Uh, well, we live here, here in the Ozarks, and uh, we've got a big lake to our west. Does that affect us at all whatsoever, in your opinion? Well, you know, it depends on, you know, it's not going to be extreme differences, but there could be some subtle microclimate differences. Uh, things that you can notice when you have a big lake next to you depending on the wind if the wind's coming off a, a cooler lake right now the water temperatures are just bath water out oh, there yeah. so i mean it doesn't matter <laughs> the, what direction sure. the wind's coming from <laughs> but you know it, you know when we start changing seasons um if you live near a warm body of water like like a table rock you might stay a little warmer uh overnight during the nighttime temperature until that water cools down and stops influencing your air temperature so certain things like that um Another notice thing that we've noticed, I've noticed over the years living up here, is sometimes we'll get little uh, storms that pop up because of the lake, around the lake, because it is a source of a little bit of a temperature difference, a little bit of mm-hmm. an elevation change, and a source of water. So I guess if there wasn't a lot of wind, like a huge, you know, like a breeze at 20 miles an hour or anything, if it's kind of stagnant, I guess that, w- that would totally make sense because you've got that and it's moistening up that atmosphere rising up that would that would make sense now the other thing that was really cool and i've lived here for eight years and i never had to to forecast this or talk about it before and i never thought i would on a on a, on a big lake but in the winter time especially when we get those first arctic blasts mm-hmm. we'll get lake effect snow flurries off the big lakes i think that happened once we may have saw some a little bit last was it last year or year before just a little tiny streamer strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we, we'll notice them every once in a while, especially for the Springfield area. If we get the wind just right and the and the air difference is uh, about thirty to forty degree difference, we're talking about the water temperatures in the low forties, but the temperature is twenty or below, you know twenty. Yeah, maybe yeah. in the teens. That type of uh, difference can cause clouds to to evaporate or you know moisture to evaporate, uh-huh. clouds to form, and little streaks of snow flurries. Uh, down downwind of the lake. That's fascinating. <laughs> just, our, our version of lake effect snow in, in the Missouri <laughs> style. <laughs> you might get a tenth of an inch instead of. You, you might know, get a little 20. flurry dusting. But, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no two feeder. <laughs> oh my gosh, exactly. Um, so, what's up with this drought? I mean, do you know offhand how much we're under at this point? 
So portions of the area, especially from the Branson area eastward, about three to six inches below um, average Ew, for so the that's, year. That's not good. If you're west of Branson, we're talking about like Barry County, Newton, that southwest corner or northwest corner of Arkansas, southwest Missouri. You're talking about six to 12 inches below uh, average. So that's why they're in a severe drought and it's increasingly getting worse. But, you know, we are putting a little dent in it with this potential thunderstorm activity coming down from uh, the Kansas City. Area. Oh, yeah. Now, I haven't looked at radar because I've been having fun talking to you. So, Corey, I mean, do you have a little radar update? Uh, that storm collapsed over Springfield. Oh, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> strong outflow boundary headed this way. Maybe it'll cool things off. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, there are Still lots of stuff going up on uh, north, uh, north of Nevada, Rich Hill area. All that's all worn all the way to Kansas City, Belton. And that's all probably headed right towards towards southwest Missouri. It's going southwest, yeah. Well, I did notice the Storm Prediction Center upgraded to an enhanced risk right there in west central Missouri, and that's yeah. probably exactly the reason why we did that. I mean, I didn't look at the new things. I mean, hail to... I didn't I look at the actual uh, hail or winds or anything like that, but it's for sure warned. They've had some imping uh, reports, and that's another uh, really fun uh, activity, if, uh, especially for all the weather enthusiasts. Enthusiasts, yeah, enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. Yeah. yeah, people out there that like to just you know have an app, and they're always on their phone. You know, uh-huh. if you see some, if you always see something, say something. Put put a little imping report from your phone, and help help us guys out knowing what type of reports of severe weather is out there. Well, and that okay, that leads me to yet another thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, we we get storm damage reports, and people send us videos, they send us everything, and we tell them send that to the National Weather Service because you guys need that information to be able to assess what happened, right? Yeah, so, you know, we don't want to overwarn on anything that doesn't need to be worn on. And mm-hmm. so um, we do verification, we do stats of our warnings and our products because we want to make sure we are doing the best job that we can when it comes to uh, warning people of actual hazards or mm-hmm. impacts. And uh, if, we're, if we're not doing a good job, we want to fix it. So it really helps us out when we issue warnings and we we can get that verification. We can get that solid truth from the public or, or law enforcement or other agencies that uh, we have uh, legitimate severe weather that hit that area. Yeah, and people, I mean, really anybody can go to storm spotter classes. Yeah, they're still available. Uh, We usually, we've been kind of splitting them up a little bit. We kind of do some in the fall and then the majority of them still in the early spring, late winter, early spring. Oh, you do? You do them in the fall too? Yeah, some of them we're starting to do in the fall, uh, mid to late fall. Um, And then also you can do the virtual classes online as well. Um, Mm, Yeah, yeah. Because I went, I went to one that, that you gave. It was like a year and a half ago, I think, for the for the Red Cross. And uh, and I I encourage people if if you have gone to a storm spotter class and you haven't been in a while, I would encourage you to go every year, just because the technology is changing. There's new data coming out. There's there's everything. So if you went to a storm spotter class ten years ago and think you know what's going on, I mean you probably know some stuff. But if you go to one now, my goodness, I mean, the one I attended, there was so much more information. 
yeah, we try to have new stuff, new material to share. I call it a refresher. Just you yeah. know, have a little refresher on the latest uh, knows things to know about when it comes to spotting or seeing severe weather technology. Like you said, new the new gadgets out there, the new t- tools to keep you updated when severe weather's rolling through your area. I want new toys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I, we all? <laughs> I, I know. I want. I want toys so bad. Uh, maybe I can invest in something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but but I mean, when I went. To the one year and a half ago, you had the Joplin tornado analysis, and that was something, you know, 10 years ago we didn't have, and that was so fascinating. So, uh, you know, go to these classes. Uh, you can find them. If they go to the National Weather Service website, do they have the on there? Yeah, usually they'll have them at the top of the page whenever a schedule does come out later this year. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm going to go next year. <laughs> I didn't go every year. I want to keep going. Um, well, okay. The, another thing I want to talk about. I just love having you here, man. So, um, El Nino. Uh, every year, Corey and I do our Storm Dar Weather Winter Outlook about no, October, November. And we look at El Nino. We look at the, the PDO, the, the NAO, all this kind of stuff. I understand about half of it. But <laughs> but we look at all you know we we go to the climates uh, CBC all these all these different places to find out what they're saying. Um, found out what last week or two weeks ago whatever we are definitely going into an El Nino year. Yeah, um, and, you know it, it just depends. And, and typically with El Nino, um, you know the the waters off the uh, the eastern Pacific are warmer than than average, or warmer than they normally would be for that time of year. So it, you know those little shifts in, 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 in water temperatures affect actually bigger global scale uh, patterns when it comes to uh, monsoon rains, uh, jet stream position and track, yeah. um, and so. While, you know, it's not going to be exactly the same every El Nino or every La Nina, there's certain characteristics that we know will happen or should happen during those type of weather pattern shifts or weather pattern changes. Because I've noticed normally if we get a strong El Nina, the jet tends to want to stay further north. That is correct. So yeah. typically in the El Nino, um, the weather pattern is a lot drier for us because of that mm. shift of the uh, the yeah. jet stream. It's not coming down to pick up moisture and, and storm systems to roll through the area. So typically we'll see uh, drier weather with an El Nino. Uh, La Nina. La, La Nina. La Nina. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. El Nino is bad news for like uh, 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 California or the, the Southwest or the Southern United States because they will see yeah. uh, a lot more storm systems of moisture and, uh, and, and flooding. And that, and that probably puts a dip, right? Uh, more in the jet stream. If it goes up to the Northwest and then there's a dip down. Yes. Which would. In a, I put it air quotes, general sense would probably mean a little bit more precipitation for the for the plains. Then. Yeah, a little bit more potentially for the southern half of the United States. Yes. Yeah. See, see, I did my research. <laughs> that we would do. also give us in the Ozarks a little bit better, t- more potential for a wintry mess. You know, that's okay. Yeah, for for us to have a little bit more precipitation chances and those brief snaps of cold air coming down from Canada, you get those two interacting, you get the wintry mix type stuff. Yeah, I think Corey said he likes ice better than snow. You said mm, last ice, week. Ice, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. true. I, I think I would like snow. I mean, because you cannot drive on ice. No. I mean, especially here in the hills. I mean, especially with all oh, the hills gosh, around no. Branson. Oh. You just don't need to go anywhere here in the hills. Yeah. If, even if it snows or ices. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Freezing but, drizzle is the worst, though. Oh, oh I know. Oh. You have anything else you want to ask before we get to the weather school? Uh, just, uh, I just want to remind everybody who we're talking to. We're, yes, uh, talking to Mike Griffin. And what, what, what's your actual title, the National Weather Service? I, I was a general forecaster here at the Springfield office, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Ironically, tomorrow is my last day in the Ozark. Oh, that's uh, why we got you today <laughs> in this special edition. Yeah, I took a new uh, position or uh, a promotion up to the Cleveland office. Cleveland. Oh, wow. So you're you're about ready to uh, uh, ditch the shorts and get the park in, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going from... to have to like snow very quickly up there. <laughs> going from a double A city to a major league city. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, 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 where where did where were you born? Were you born in down south or? I was born in southeast Texas. Oh okay. And so I went to hot. A, yeah hot, yeah hot and humid and 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 uh, a lot of a lot of bugs. <laughs> oh see that's why I don't want to go. That's why I don't want to go down there. But I went to school at Texas A and M. So. So when wow. did you uh, first decide you wanted to be a meteorologist? Oh, I've always known always? ever since I was a kid, and ah. I started out in TV weather. Uh, oh, after college, did the TV weather for about six years, and then got into the weather service. Wow, that's uh, dedication. In Texas? Were you in Texas for TV? I was actually down in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. That was ah, my first that's a TV. big market down there. Big. Uh, uh, <laughs> my first TV uh, job was down in Lake Charles. Oh, cool. I had to go through Hurricane Katrina, and Rita. That was fun. Oh, wow. you were actually. Down- I was down there in 2005. Yeah, wow. on TV. Yeah. My gosh. It's like, well, I think I'll go up to Springfield. Then then you're done with Springfield. I've done hurricanes for a while. Let's go to Tornado Alley. (laughs) Flash Flood Alley. Yeah. Yeah. And then then another five or ten years, you'll just go up to Albany and Buffalo because that lake affects snow going on. (laughs) Just keep on going north. Okay. Well, let's get to our weather school. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, stormed our weather school. I wrote that. But you didn't sing that, right? No, I didn't okay. sing it. <laughs> no. And that's the other thing I, I forgot to say before we get to weather school. Like, all the video and all of the music is done by both of us. We Well, nicely done. Well, thank very, you. Very well. Very good we stuff. We figured people pay probably five, ten cents for something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this stormed our weather school. I wanted to definitely get Mike to talk about um, the, the different positions and stuff you have meteorologists you have the 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 mic you have the wcm those are those are all acronyms we did a, a thing about acronyms Corey and i love acronyms the w uh mic is meteorologist in charge right the wpcm is the or w uh cm warning coordination meteorologist that's correct you have the general meteorology or what Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there, there's, um, well, first off, let's start from the bottom up. So, okay. you, you, uh, you come into the weather service at intern and you, you spend several years to kind of get to know the ropes of what goes on. And then you work your way up to a, a general forecaster. So, the general forecaster, or sometimes they're called journeyman forecasters, um, they're just, they're just, the next step up in the the weather service. And then after that, uh, we have lead forecasters or senior meteorologists, senior forecasters, um, and those are the shift leaders that are running uh, the office and the operations for shift to shift. So they're the next step above regular forecasters, a little bit more experienced and seasoned. And then after that, you start getting into the management, and we have the what you said, the WCM, the Warning Coronation Meteorologist. He's kind of, or that person's kind of like the PR of the office that reaches out to uh, our partners, makes sure um, we have a good relationship with, you know, 
people that are using our data, using uh, our services at, uh, with the National Weather Service keeps in, keeps an ear to them and makes sure we can all you know listen to them, see what we can improve on things like that. That that's that's what I was going to ask you. Like like the duties of a WCM would be. I mean, do they are they the ones that that if dangerous weather's coming, they do the emergency conference calls or, or how 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 does that? So you, yes, usually um, they are very in tune of what's going on during a, a situation or severe weather situation. Or it doesn't have to be severe weather; it could be uh, a flash flooding situation, mm. or it could be a, a, a winter weather storm system. Um, but that, yeah, that duty is to be responsible of, of kind of coordinating uh, response and pushing out the information to the people that need it. Gotcha. Okay. The first weather conference call I was a part of was the morning of uh, May third, two thousand four, by Steve Reynolds for the uh, all the uh, broadcast uh, stations in in the Springfield uh, DMA. So. And he's talked about that day before. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, he he still has that vivid memory of that day. Yes, me too. And then you have a service hydrologist. Uh, she, uh, that person is uh, kind of the focus area uh, for hydrology, river f- uh, flooding, or river levels, water levels, things like that. So a service hydrologist, basically, that person mm, yeah. handles all the water in our in our area, or okay. what's gonna, what impacts are going to happen with that type of rainfall. Um, and then we have what we call Sue. Oh, Sue. Yes. Uh, science operation officer. So this person, the Sue, okay. is um, in charge of uh, training, making sure uh, we have the latest information when it comes to what's new out there, what type of science is coming down, research. Ah. Uh, that person may even sponsor or develop research, local research with uh, uh, some of the staff in, in, this, in the office and maybe uh, local universities or things like that. So it's kind of that bridge between science and research. Perfect. And, and then obviously you said the MIC, the, the big boss of the office, mm-hmm. is the meteorologist in charge. Yeah. Who's your MIC now? Is it? We got Kelsey Engel back. So Kelsey, uh, okay. Bill Davis uh, was our MIC for the longest time. He retired early this year. And now our new MIC, which just started a few weeks ago, is Kelsey Engel. He was uh, a general forecaster here about nine or ten years ago. And now he's back as our boss. Oh, wow. Cool. Because I, I remember when, when we, you know, we first started seeing the Facebook Live things, you know, you, you were the face on there. But uh, now that you're unfortunately not with that office, we're seeing a lot of new faces and they look very young. I mean, yeah, we so we, we've had a, a, a quite a bit of new hires. Um, myself, I, I, I'm, I was leaving, and uh, also Andy Foster, he was one of our lead forecasters. Oh. He uh, got a promotion up to the Kansas City headquarters office up there at Central Region. So we had two, you know, two people were leaving, but we just gained three new interns. They just started in the past few weeks. Ah. and One uh, named Mike, right? One name's Mike. Because he was on this morning. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle was on there releasing the balloon, Saw the him. weather balloon. Oh, that was Kyle. That okay. was Kyle. Mm-hmm. And then um, Corey. And I have, we haven't seen Corey up there uh, on Facebook Live yet. But they'll, they'll, they're going to get uh, more comfortable with their new roles and duties and job uh, responsibilities. And we'll see more of them on there as well in the yeah, future. Yeah, I'm just so glad that you guys are doing a Facebook Live now. I mean, well, we you got- know, we were a test office. So we were actually one of the first offices that were allowed oh. to do it. So we were trying to test it out, see how valuable or, or helpful it would be for us to share information 
to the social media following to you guys and, and, and find that that balance between uh, workload and, and how to do it, how to how to what what would be the appropriate way of, of bridging that gap of communication? Yeah. And, and what we always say, too, when we do when we do a live, I mean, I mean, Corey's Corey's a video guy. So we kind of got stuff going. We'll do some high end stuff or whatever. But if I'm just, you know, if, I, if a severe thunderstorm is coming to Branson, you know, I'll set my little camera up and I'll put here and kind of do it myself. But when you're doing that, it's hard to see all the comments. So I always tell people. You know, I can't see it. If you have any questions, always leave them in the comments. Mm-hmm. And then once the, the live cast goes away, then I can go back and, and do that. I mean, I, I guess you guys do that too, or yeah. So the way I actually set it up at our off or at our office up there in Springfield is uh, we had two large monitors. So I had one monitor that I was sharing the screen, so sharing radar uh, images or model data images, things like that. And then I had another screen where I had the program that we use, um, uh, Ops Studio, and then uh, and then also the, the comments that were live. So actually, I would try to be interactive mm-hmm. whenever they're asking questions, see their questions or, or comments, and, and try to be a little bit uh, social on social media. Well, of course. I mean, and, and that's, that's the way to go, and that's why what people are – that's what they're doing now. And most everybody is, is on, you know, Facebook, social media. I mean, we haven't, uh, we have a Twitter account, but 180 characters is sometimes for, for, for me, because I like to run my mouth and I like to, to post <laughs> graphics and get stuff out there. I mean, uh, we do have two groups though. We have the Southwest Missouri group mm-hmm. and the Northeast Oklahoma group. Corey's from Northeast Oklahoma. So that's, that's why we always cover that. Too and that that tends to go out faster than the actual page, you know. But face, Facebook keeps jacking <laughs> with their <laughs> with their settings, and then suddenly, you know, somebody will get one of our posts four hours or four days later and say, "Why are you posting this now?" And it's like, no, it, it's Facebook. Yeah, that's one of the challenges we kind of run into as well. It's like, why can't they just leave it alone? It's working. <laughs> Come on, you know. I know this. Your the Facebook lives that that the National Weather Service in Springfield puts out now is much more polished than when the first week or two they started. Yeah, yeah we, we, we were... Uh, well, we actually had to do it from an iPad. Uh-huh. And oh, so, yeah. Yeah, we had to do it from an iPad, and we had to flip the iPad around, and, and you know, you just can't see the clarity right. from the camera of the iPad to oh, a computer. Oh, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it was very archaic and very... yeah. <laughs> so now, and then we finally figure out a way to, to use uh, some software on a desktop that go. made it kind of look a little bit cleaner. Yeah, I like the inset. That that's a really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously, because you can actually watch the forecaster plus see what what's going on. And I think that adds value. You know, you can you can see a lot or learn a lot from someone's body language or mm-hmm. how they articulate the, their message or communication, especially if you see a webcam. And also, if you see someone smiling on there, you know, it's gonna it, you know it kind of relaxes someone if it's a, kind of a uh, a dangerous situation. It, exactly. And, you know, we like as we said earlier in the podcast, like. Like we don't hype. We we just tell it. We look at it, tell it like it is. Tell what you guys think. Sometimes we'll you know if we kind of see something, we'll kind of give a heads up or something just because. 
we kind of know what we're looking at, you know, but I mean, you guys are the final word. Well, well I no, mean, no, really. no, 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 but, but what you, you guys help us. So we, it, it all, it all goes back to where it starts. You know, if it starts from reports shared on your, on your following and you relay those reports to us, or we see those reports and it helps us with warning operations and getting that word out, that messaging, then we issue something for the public and then you guys get that message and y'all trickle it back down. So it goes mm-hmm. up and it comes back down the same way. And yeah. another thing you do is, uh, and we do it too when conditions weren't, we just get, we just go away from the radar and actually go outside and show the clouds. And then you, you've done that several times. We've oh, done yeah. that, especially with the really cool shelf clouds yeah. that we've seen. Oh my gosh. It looks like the end of days is coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and pe- people, you know, you've probably seen a lot of the pictures people send us like, this is cool. It's like, yes. And we encourage people, send us your videos, send us your your pictures, you know, and then a lot of times people ask us, what is this? And that just thrills us. No, and it's a great learning opportunity, especially yeah. when people are not sure what they're looking at and you're able to clarify to them, oh, that's a bl- bad cloud. Or, no, that's that's nothing to be worried about. Or our favorite, the SLC. Ooh, yes. the SLC. I know. Oh. People see those, they freak out. It's like, no, it's an SLC, which stands for? Scary. Looking Scary looking cloud. cloud. <laughs> Yeah, so we we tell them no, this is not this is not dangerous or scud. Scud, I know the scud cloud. Yeah, but you know when when people they see a lowering and they're freaking out, it could be a tornado and it's something we all should know. You stand there a minute, see if it's rotating. If it's rotating, then kick into action. If it's not rotating, it's just probably a subsidence or just you know a small scary cold, looking cloud. Scary looking cloud. <laughs> It is. Well, on Storm Door Weather Podcast, we always have this segment, so let's get to that. It's the weather word of the week. Yes, the Storm Door Weather Word of the Week. We're going to toss to our co-host, Mike. So what is our Storm Door Weather Word of the Week? We're going to do wet microbursts. Wet microburst, as opposed to a dry microburst? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So please explain. What is a wet microburst? Well, we've actually seen quite a few of them recently here in the Ozarks over the past couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Um, very uh, intense, localized downburst. Okay. And in certain uh, certain conditions that go on into the lower and middle atmosphere that are conducive for thunderstorms to produce these microbursts. Now, the, the difference is, the, the term is microbursts, but depending on where you are uh, in the country, here typically we'll see the wet microbursts because of all our moisture. If you're out west, you'll get the dry microbursts, which is not good news for them because they'll kick up um, haboos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it'll kick up uh, the winds and, and erratic winds and cause problems with the firefighting a- efforts out there in the, the mountain Which west. they have had lots of problems out there. And it, I mean, it doesn't look like there's much rain in sight. No, there. the weather pattern is not looking good for them with a the big ridge of high pressure over them for at least a, a, a good while. So uh, it's going to be very, very hot, very dry and, and, and gusty winds. And that's not good for their, their efforts. Yeah, and I know Corey was saying like Western Oklahoma was really in dire straits with fires and stuff, and they suddenly got a nice soaking rain out of that. And what we've always said was we need one of these little tropical systems coming in from the Gulf 
kind of meandering, you know, not a hurricane, just a little tropical system meandering and just kind of sitting over southwest Missouri for about three days. You, but you can't wish, you know, you might wish too much of a good thing because those, those can be uh, problematic here in the Ozarks. Well, well, that's true. Well, just three days and oh, then move just out. Three. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Uh, so I guess the final thing I wanted to ask you, for for Southwest Missouri, is there any relief in sight from this? You know, the longer the last time I looked at the the medium to long range outlooks, they did still have us in a higher percentage for drier than normal precipitation Ugh, we do through not need through that. August, and then you you start seeing the the seasonal changes and, and the weather pattern changes by uh, typically September and October, where we we should start seeing some some relief from the heat and maybe some weather systems, but. Once you get to one of these patterns, it's just hard to break a drought, and you need uh, several good waves of precipitation to start putting a dent in that drought, because the drought actually feeds on itself. When you start getting a, and we've been in a hot, dry weather pattern ever since May. Can you remember that April was a record cool month, and then we went to record cool April to a hottest May on record. We talked about that within like uh, less than a week. Uh, yes, less than a week. Like, it just what? it just turned <laughs> itself off. That was a major shift in the weather patterns, and we've seen this for the past couple of months now. And so it looks like it's going to hold on a little longer before we see some significant changes uh, in about a month or two. Because I remember two times in the past ten years, we've had an unusually hot June and July, and then all of a sudden. August was in the 70s. That can happen. And, and several people this week have been asking about, is this anything like 2012? The drought and, and, and summer oh, uh-huh. of 2012. We're not even close. In fact, uh, we're, yeah, we're just not even close. That was a very bad drought for this area uh, back in the uh, July of, of 2012. But then what? Was it 2013? We had the... Was that the major flood? That was the the first time I had to issue a flash flood emergency. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was all, it was like the early August, and and typically you could get these fronts that stall out, and then a lot of tropical moisture pulling up against that front. That's what we this, need. This boundary, <laughs> and uh, and you'll get these nocturnal storm systems that just blow up in the middle of the night and just feed on each other across that boundary, and and that's what we've had a, a few summers ago in August. Yeah, and. Like Courtney, and I have talked several times. Is, is Mother Nature is like off her meds or something? It's either feast or famine. Uh, well, it, it really is. I mean, we got we're going into drought. Hopefully, that will be broken. But then we don't need it broken by ten inches of ten rain. Ten inches in of a rain month. one night. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that's the problem that we're having. If we, I mean, I, I mean, I think of course we all know that the the global weather or global temperature is rising a little bit, and we are. I think it's slowing. I think, I mean, on the progression of year to year, I mean, I mean, that's more of a global thing. I'll have to do some research and, and do that. Um, I, I like to use the, the term climate change more than global warming. There's so much bad connotation with global warming, but that's just me. All I know is it's been quite a while since we've had a real nice, bright, colorful autumn in the Ozarks down here. You are absolutely correct on that. I I have to uh, agree with you. It, yeah. it would be nice to have a nice wet early fall or, or late mm-hmm. wet summer so we can have the mm-hmm. trees with moisture and get those nice, cool, crisp nights and, and the trees Make do, their, some do their pictures. magic. Oh, yeah, because several years ago that happened and yeah. you took a beautiful picture. It was 
I don't know how long ago that was. But I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I don't like when the, the, the leaves just turn brown and they're done. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. People come here. They're expecting it to be beautiful here in Branson, and it is. But but still, they they, 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 did, they want the color. They see mm-hmm. pictures and posters of people taking them when it was colorful, and they come here and it's like, oh, well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not quite what, what it was advertised. Maybe two or three uh, years in a, in a 10-year span, we'll get a really good colorful fall. But, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes not. Yeah, you know, we did we did a a, a podcast. Was it last year? Or something on uh, uh, the, the the on weather myths about uh, the the woolly worms, yep. the persimmon seeds. seeds. Uh, yeah, I used to work at uh, the showboat Branson Bell here in Branson, and there's tons of trees around there. And me and the the uh, uh, another guy went out there and we cut persimmon seeds. I'll just open all of them spoons. <laughs> I think maybe a half an inch of snow the whole I've never day. seen any that aren't spoons around here anyway, no matter what. I haven't either. I mean... <laughs> we haven't had a good winter in a long time. I mean, we've had some very tricky situations with the freezing ice and freezing drizzle, but we mm-hmm. have... You know, it's been probably five years since we've had a good snow. Mm-hmm. I'm, I miss it. And I'm the type of person... Bring on the snow, last for about three days, and go away. Yeah, go, <laughs> and go I'm away. done. <laughs> you know, we always we always try to do the our guess on based on the the winter outlook of you know how many how many snow days you think we're going to have, and it's like we've been busted on that. And at the beginning of winter, everybody wants it to snow. Not particularly me, but everybody right. else wants it to snow online on our on our page. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like when's it going to snow, and how much we're going to get some snows? So like, oh, well. And then when it does, you're like, "Are we tired of this? Let's okay, let's go to yeah." It's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's harder to drive down here than it is even in Springfield. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, y'all have a lot more terrain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the past few years though, the snow that we have, I mean, the the MoDOT here in Branson has been actually quite good at uh, doing the roads uh, and stuff. You know, even when I mean, they they can't. I mean, you can do a preemptive lay down, but you know they. If you just if you're gonna have an event that's gonna last for 24 hours, you can't just keep, you know, putting chemical down. No, those guys do a great job. It's it's very challenging when it comes to winter weather and 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 when how they treat their you know what the plan is on treating the the roads before before and during a winter weather system. Yeah. Well, maybe I need to get some snow tires and change. <laughs> well, Corey, you got anything else you want to ask, Mike? Uh, I just I just want to thank you for coming down and being on our podcast. No, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm glad. I wish I would have done this sooner. Well, I mean, if I had got my nerve up, that's that's my problem. Is I got all skitzy <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. He's only got a few days left. I'm going to going to try. So yes, thank you again. So let's wrap this up. Okay, so be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather, like our page, and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. That does it for this time, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.